Alright, welcome to Sports with a Cup of Cheers. Alright. <clears throat> a few things I want to talk about today. I guess let's start in the NFL. Some news came out earlier. Dan Quinn leaving the Cowboys, taking the commander's head job. Good for him. Showed his quality as a coach, rebuilt that Dallas defense, made it one of the better ones in the league, despite being, well, I'd say a little overrated. But still, quality coach, quality dude. Never had a problem with him character-wise. I just thought game planning-wise, he, he got out-coached a few times, especially when it counted. Whether he got completely out-coached or he just... Couldn't get what he wanted out of the talent that he had on that defense. It is what it is. He's got a hell of a job ahead of him in Washington, that's for sure. <clears throat> and then almost immediately, Diggs, Trayvon Diggs comes out and throws his support behind Al Harris to be the defensive coordinator. I don't know if he's the right guy for the job. Uh, he's definitely done well with that secondary. I mean... He helped Deron Bland break an NFL record. I remember, I can't remember if it was Greg Olson or Collinsworth that said he doesn't teach schemes, he teaches tendencies. So I don't know if that kind of coaching style is right for defensive coordinator. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, they've already missed out on the Ravens guys. Uh, Titans hired their defensive backs coach as, a, as their D coordinator. That's a really nice pick. I like what the Titans are doing there with that coaching staff. So, and I've heard that they are fans of Ron Rivera. I I like Ron Rivera. I, I have a lot of respect for Ron Rivera. Served his country. Love Ron Rivera. But if you look around the league, it really seems like fresh blood is kind of the flavor of the month. Uh, you know, nobody's hiring former head coaches. They're all hiring coordinators. They all want the next great coordinator. Like Mike McDaniel's really shown that if you hit on the right coordinator, you can have a lot of success. I mean, look at Belichick. All the success, the the ultimate coaching resume, and he can't get a job. I, I don't know how hard he's looking. I know he interviewed with Atlanta, but he didn't get hired by Atlanta. And no one else is hiring him, so fresh voices, maybe new directions, new ideas, may are maybe what teams are looking for. At least other teams, Dallas still seems to be stuck in the mid '90s with Jerry Jones. I mean, like, they hire Ron Rivera, they hire Ron Rivera. Great, I love the guy. That's cool. If he comes in with good schemes and good game plans, you know. A healthy defense, a healthy Trayvon Diggs, and some holes filled. Maybe, maybe they catch magic. Who knows? But I do look forward to seeing who they interview, who they eventually hire. I hope Al Harris does get a real look. Maybe you get Bill Belichick be your D coordinator. Who knows? But I do find it interesting that all these coordinators are getting basically promotions and Belichick isn't finding a job. 
other big news and I don't get to talk about Formula One often, but last night I went to sleep after reading a rumor about Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari and everybody was blowing it off. Oh, it's the usual rumor of Lewis leaving Mercedes, yada, yada, yada. Nobody buying into it. I wake up and the Formula One Instagram page itself, breaking news, Lewis Hamilton to join Ferrari in 25. And I was like, wow. That's insane. And it's it's an interesting move because it happens in 25 when there's new engine regulations. And they've already, I believe, Formula One made a stipulation that there can't be any aero t- testing done for that year. So 25 is really kind of becoming a mystery. I just wonder what has, why the decision comes out now, by the way, which is going to make the reveal specials really fun to watch. That's got to suck to be Carlos Sainz knowing, oh, hey, here's our new, here's our car for next year. We're excited. And all the questions are going to be about, hey, so what do you think about Lewis taking your job? Even though Sainz is going to have a seat, Audi wants him when they come in. So the timing actually works out for that. It's just going to make those car reveals really fun. But why now? Could have waited till the summer break, their, you know, quote unquote, silly season. Could have done it before you signed an extension with Mercedes. Maybe he saw something in their off season development that said, you know what? We're going to be way behind or we're not going to be there. Ferrari's got something better going. And in fairness, out of all the teams, Ferrari is the closest to Red Bull, especially on Saturdays. Now, if you can actually get the race pace more on par with Red Bull, throw in Lewis Hamilton, and now you've got something cooking. No disrespect to Carl Sainz, who I like a lot. But let's face it, Lewis Hamilton's Lewis Hamilton. And I also think it's a really it'd be really special for him to get number eight separate himself not separate himself but get past schumacher in a ferrari Uh, that would be honestly pretty legendary if he did that and now with that move man the dominoes that are going to start falling at some point because you know signs is going to go to audi we don't know what's going to happen with Checo. We don't know what, if Ricardo's going to place him. Who replaces Lewis at Mercedes? Is it going to be Schumacher, Mick Schumacher? Is it going to be Albon? Could they wait and take Checo? Like, it's just the the dominoes are going to just be crazy on this one. Like, this summer break, the silly season for F1 is going to be awesome. Potentially. So let's move on to the NBA. So the big, not big story, but an interesting story brewing in the NBA is with this 65 game minimum to be eligible for awards, except for, I think, Rookie of the Year. I don't think it counts for Rookie of the Year. But it's surrounding MVP, basically, because Embiid is playing like an MVP, 
but he's also missing a bunch of games, and he just got hurt against the Warriors the other night. Let's go back to that Warriors game real quick. First of all, it was a really good game. It was a really entertaining game. But when Embiid went down, something bothered me. I just want to get this out of the way. So Embiid goes down, and he gets landed on on his knee in front of the Warriors bench. There's no foul called. It's a turnover. Warriors go down, score, timeout, Sixers. And immediately they cut to Embiid, but in the background, a couple of the young guys from the Warriors get up, and they're celebrating what just happened on the other end. They're not celebrating the injury, but they're celebrating. And that bothered me. Like, I get it. You want to hype up your guys, congratulate your guys for making a good play, but there's a guy down on the ground in front of you holding his knee. Can you show a little bit of respect for that? Like, I, I really get annoyed with these bench warmers that don't play in crunch time. They're not the stars, and they're just overpay cheerleaders. Like, just sit down and be quiet, please. But they really show some respect. It doesn't even matter that it's Embiid and he's one of the best players in the league. Anybody on the ground holding their knee. I mean, I'm not asking you to go and pray for the guy, but show some respect. Don't go tap dancing around him while he's on the ground in pain. Even Draymond has more class than that. By the way, and, and Draymond is a good dude. Like people need to get off Draymond's back. But that just bothered me. I can't remember who the players were. I know it was the some of their younger guys. It might have been I don't remember. But that just bothered me. Like I'm not asking you to weep and kneel and pray for the guy. Just have some respect. Especially when he's right in front of your bench. Like, if it's at the other end of the floor, okay, fine. You're not near the situation. Do what you want. But I just thought that looked a little classless to me. But now the big deal is, oh, man, this 60... Well, Draymond seems to think he's, that Embiid's out there forcing games. He's not 100%, but he's forcing it so he can meet that minimum. And I kind I understand where he's coming from, but I kind of disagree. I don't think he's out there forcing it to meet a minimum so he can get an award. Look at the standings. They need Embiid to play. They're seven games out of first place. They were right there, number two, number three, but they have fallen. They're six and four in their last ten. They've lost four in a row. They've got to keep pace, or they won't even host a playoff series. Now, granted, if they go into the playoffs healthy, they don't necessarily need home court. It'd be nice. But like right now, if they were to play the Cleveland Cavaliers, full healthy squads, you still give the edge to Philly regardless of home court. But you don't want to fall into that sixth, seventh spot. You don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to dance around that play-in line. Because then any nonsense can happen, right? Do you want to? Do you want to get the job done in the regular season, secure a playoff spot, secure at least hosting one round, and then let the chips fall where they may? 
But, I mean, there are a few games up from Miami for that seventh spot. But you can't rule Miami out from making a run. They've showed it last year. Once it gets down to crunch time, winning time, they start rattling off those wins. And if Embiid isn't healthy, he's missing games, he's out, you're going to fall back. And that's going to really hurt you. But the 65-game minimum is not, a, a, not the issue. I think it's a good rule. You have to reward guys that not only play great, but play. And I said it last, not maybe not last time, but I know I've said it recently. I don't think Embiid cares about getting MVP. Been there, done that. He seems like a been there, done that guy kind of guy. He wants to win a championship. So I don't think he's out there forcing it for him to be award eligible. I think he's out there forcing it because they need to win. Which any star player is going to do, pretty much. I mean, yeah, could the coach be a little tougher and say, hey, you know what, you're not 100%. We're just going to sit you until you're ready. They could, but on most on most nights they probably could win the game without him. But they're clearly a lot better with him, right? I mean, he's on a tear this year. <clears throat> but the I don't think the 65-game minimum is the issue. And then looking at winning, contenders are starting to separate themselves a little bit, I believe. If you look around, I mean, in the East, it's fairly easy. Boston's five games up on Milwaukee, and clearly Milwaukee has issues. And just looking around, nobody in the East is really built to beat Boston. There's teams that can give them trouble. And give give them a fight. But Boston just looks locked in. Tatum and Brown, D. What they these guys just look locked in. And I'll say it again: the Drew Holiday pickup was probably the key. Bring in a defensive-minded guy who's done it, and it just seems right. But then again, the last couple of years, Boston's looked like the more talented team, more ready to win team, and they've come up short. This time they really looked like the class of the East. Miami hasn't shown that magic yet. But then again, we're looking for it this time. They're not a mystery. They're not coming out of nowhere this time. But we still have a week or so to the deadline. Any of these teams behind them could make that one move that could propel them to true contendership. Philly could, Milwaukee could, New York, Cleveland. But Boston's just the class of the East right now. In the West, it's a different story. The West is a lot more intriguing. Because it's not one team that's separating themselves, it's four. The top four are about five games ahead of the Kings, give or take. 
Phoenix is there and they're still, they're lurking. They're one, when they're healthy, they're going to win a bunch of games. I just don't think they play enough defense. I, I, I just don't think they play good enough defense. But the top four have separated themselves. Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Clippers, Nuggets. And I don't have a lot of confidence in Minnesota and Oklahoma City. Like when I look at those two teams, I look at Minnesota being like Memphis a couple years ago where they made it to the playoffs as the 8th seed. They got bounced, came back, and they leapfrog a bunch of teams and look like a solid contender. And then Oklahoma City to me is like this year's Sacramento Kings. Last year they looked good. And now this year they made a jump. But the problem is Oklahoma City just hasn't been there. I I just when they get into the playoffs and Shea's not getting the calls he gets, and they face real adversity, and they face a team that can actually game plan and maybe make life hard for Shea, can they handle it? And I don't think they're quite ready to handle that yet. Could prove me wrong, but I don't think they're there yet. Minnesota, I think it's just depth. You know, if if Anthony Edwards struggles and Cat and someone makes life hard for Cat, who's that third guy? It's not Gobert, and it's not Mike Conley. Who's gonna be that third guy that can get you you know eighteen, twenty points? When called upon. I don't think they have that guy. Nas Reed's a nice piece. But I still think they need. They need a little more depth. So it's Clippers Nuggets really to me that. Are. I would have the most confidence in. And quite honestly. I have more confidence in the Clippers. The only knock on the Clippers. For the past couple years has been injuries. But they're healthy. And if they go into the playoffs healthy, they're the best built team. They have, I mean, them, the Clippers and Nuggets are the only teams with a superstar that's hung a banner. They have, they've been there, done that. But the Clippers just seem hungrier. Denver just doesn't have that juice surrounding them because they're not dominating. They're kind of like the Spurs back in the day, just going about their business. No one's talking about us. Fine. We're just going to take care of business and we'll be there. And they very well could do that. But I still say, like, don't discount the losses of Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. But with the Clippers, I mean, think about this. If they go into a seven-game series with OKC or Minnesota, they have two of the best perimeter defenders in the league that they can throw at Shea Gilders Alexander. They can throw them at Anthony Edwards. So it's like when those two guys get taken care of, who else is going to do it for you? Whereas with the Clippers, man, Paul George can beat you. Kawhi can beat you. Harden can tear you up. Even Westbrook can, can ding you a little bit. Man can go off. And they've got a trio of bigs that can throw at you to cause problems. Zubach, Thice, and uh, Plumley. So if I've got to 
give a vote of confidence to one of the top four in the West, I'm going Clippers. It's a little easy to do that, but it's more logic-based. It's not just, oh, well, they got the names. No, it, it's it's based in logic. I don't, th- I don't think Oklahoma City is ready, and Minnesota doesn't have the depth. And quite honestly, the Clippers are the only team that's built to beat Boston. I mean, think about it. You got on one side, you got Tatum and Brown. On the other side, you have Leonard and George, Przingis and Horford, Zubac and Thais and Plumley, Derek White, Drew Holiday, Westbrook and Harden, and man, like that would be a hell of a seven-game series. Boston, Denver would be a good series too, but Clippers, Celtics would be a hell of a series. I don't know who would win, but it'd be a hell of a series. don't uh, the others kind of wanted to talk about the Warriors but at this point I don't really feel like talking about the Warriors I'm going to save that so let's go to my Spurs who had a bit of a rough night I've had a rough couple of nights uh, the loss to the Wizards it was just an uninspired game lack of focus I mean I can't say anything that Pop really didn't say after the game. So, the Orlando game last night, uh, as a fan, it was frustrating. It was frustrating. They started out the game red hot. It looked like it was going to be one of those games where we're going to show our growth. But then Orlando woke up. Was It was a good night for Victor, but it wasn't a great night for Victor. And he and he really struggled to get into a flow. I mean, most of the guys did. I mean, Jeremy played great for the most part. Uh, the foul trouble really affected him. He he got frustrated, and it got he. You could tell on the bench he was getting into his own head, and it affected the way he was playing. Got down pretty big, but then they fought back in the fourth, which was really nice. Devin hitting shots. Uh, Blake's making plays. Jeremy's making plays. I don't know. I mean, looking at, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe they could have got Victor in the game earlier. Maybe they shouldn't have even brought him back in the game. I don't know. Um, I've never seen a team go from being red hot to being ice cold because of one timeout more than the Spurs. But... Yeah, it, it was frustrating. It was frustrating because they shouldn't have had to fight back, but then they fought back and they couldn't make the plays to win the game. Premier defense is still really shoddy. But having had a day to process and think about it, the Orlando game, and also the same kind of similar with Oklahoma City, it still gives me a lot of hope because these are teams that are going have been going through the process longer than us and they're showing the fruits of it okc top team in the west orlando fighting for the playoffs yeah they're at different stages but they're showing that the process works but it takes time even okc it has taken time 
I mean, when they got Shay, they didn't get Shay. They didn't get this version of him. Right? I mean, Doc Rivers will claim that he knew, but he didn't. He knew that Shea was a good player. He didn't know he was going to be this guy. Okay, let's be honest. But, I mean, he showed a lot of good things pretty quickly. But, I mean, he's been good for at least the last four years. Maybe five so it has it still takes time to get there you just have to draft well cuz nobody on that team outside of him was gotten through free agency or trades he's the only one but if you think about it, they got him so young it's almost like they drafted him So losing to Orlando, losing always sucks, but it shows that the process works as long as you give it time. Because without Paolo, I mean, they had they had a nice foundation. The Wagner brothers, Suggs, Anthony, Isaac, Carter. You know, there's a good foundation. Whether or not that foundation is better than the foundation the Spurs had before Wimby, you can debate that. It might be a little bit better. You know, we're still, we're still kind of going through that process of shuffling out veterans and draft capital and young guys developing. We're we're a couple years behind. That doesn't matter how good our main guy is, the rest of the squad is still a couple years behind. And it showed last night. But I, but I'm just I'm excited for well one I'm excited for the trade deadline because you never know what could happen. But like Wimby is so good and yet this is not his final form. This, he's going to be so much better in a couple of years. It's not even funny. Who comes along for that ride? That remains to be seen. And that that's probably what's really frustrating is in this situation these guys have an opportunity to really shine and. Some just aren't shining as much as you would want them to. But Trey being back in his normal starting role, starting to play better. Jeremy being Jeremy, he's putting in good performance more consistently. Blake in his defense, I've been saying it. His defense is going to make him special. And his shot, I'm saying again, he is a good shooter. But in Austin, he got to shoot a lot more. With the Spurs, he takes maybe like one jump shot, and that's it. Everything else is in transition, which is fine, but that's it. He's not looking for his offense unless he's wide open. But that defense is something. And once he gets a little more experience, doesn't reach in as much, and get a little stronger too, he's going to be a nightmare for guards. But yeah, so I mean, we're back in a little bit of a rough stretch. But at least losing to teams like OKC and Orlando, you can see that, okay, we got a ways to go, but if you look at who we lost to, 
they went through the same thing. So tough to lose, but there is a does I want to say light in a tunnel, but you can see what can be. So I think that'll wrap this episode up. Appreciate you listening. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram. 